They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa, here again with another Warhammer-related episode. Um, I often am joined by the folks from Geeks with Shields, and um, what usually happens outside of just normal awesome geekery is uh, they've been slowly getting me interested and into Warhammer, and did a book club with them, and they're continuing that, and it's a lot of fun, and uh, so we're going to continue on with that. This is actually the second half, because there was so much awesome content that we uh, didn't get through at all in the last one of my conversation with Axel about the orcs. And before I let Axel reintroduce himself, even though you guys are very familiar with him, I'm going to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, UK Campbell, Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price Collaborating Online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, Little Nicky, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott Arcuri, and Shore Hansen Gusted. Thank all of you for being willing to help me out a bit. Um, you know, I would do this for free. I love doing this, but you guys help um, me keep going, especially in the crazy world that we have going on out there. This episode, um, you know, screw it. This episode is brought to you by the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer. Hell yeah! Sorry to interrupt, but yes! <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I, you know, I'd normally try to say something that, you know, you know, it's also brought to you because nep nepotism is real. The Geeks with Shields podcast because no, Godzilla, it's fine. Godzilla, man. <laughs> holy shit. And you know what? I don't even care if it's good. That trailer is perfect. And that's no, all I no. need. Yeah, just give me more of that trailer. And that's what I want for the movie. So <laughs> yeah. holy, holy mother of all things I needed to see. Um, I, was, I, I, can, was, I was getting ready to say a bunch of stuff, and then you derailed me entirely with Godzilla. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's Axel. Axel, say hi. Hi, I'm Axel Wright, one of uh, one half of the hosts over at Geeks with Shields. Ulrich couldn't join because, little peek behind the curtain, Ulrich and I already recorded tonight, and Slagathor is there, and Ulrich asked, hey, do you mind sitting in silence for another hour after already sitting in silence for an hour and a half? And she said no. So... It's just me today. <laughs> I I get that completely. I mean, I, I do this entirely too much as well. Um, I actually need my my last few weeks got nutty. So be on the lookout, um, fair listeners, that you will have an episode with just Slagathor on because Slagathor is awesome. Um, Geeks Who Haunt is an incredible show. And um, I love being on it. And I just think that she's awesome. So I can't wait to have her on not just creeping in the background making fun of us. <laughs> yeah, don't really don't don't take what I just said as me like throwing her under the bus or anything. We adore Slagathor here. But oh, she's no, also no, kinda, I she's also kind of scary though. I so feel bad. <laughs> I, I feel bad, you know, that like <laughs> imagine sitting through not being not contributing for two of these. Oh God. It's really? like it's I, I can imagine it's like my wife when we were you know well every time I'm with my blockbuster group of friends she just sits <laughs> I mean, granted, she used to shop in the store, and I met her there. But she goes, "Is this all you guys talk about?" Or like, 
Oh man, that, that happens every time. Sorry, I have I have this buddy Eric who is an engineer like like me. And whenever yep. we get together and talk, we'll talk work. And his wife Alex will just be sitting there, and I feel so bad because like a half hour can go by and she doesn't have doesn't say anything. It's not, and she's a really good sport about it. But sometimes we just have to you know shoot the shit about work. So oh, it's it's hysterical, and I feel you know my wife is is a super geek, but. Not necessarily a like I'm I I pretty sure there's very few things I can't like super geek out about it it just comes with my um I have many likes and I'm really good at even if it's something that I'm not versed in like mm-hmm. being attentive to a conversation yeah and, and she is is the polar opposite she if she's not interested in something she just checks out and uh and and you know so <laughs> I always feel bad because she's like not a super sci-fi nerd right she likes more like fantasy and um you know old cartoons and stuff like that so like you know we get friends together and we just like go you know like deep on star trek or something and she goes yeah i'm just gonna go pass out now (laughs) and i always feel bad (laughs) it's okay it's okay um but but we'll fix that of course Anyway, before we get into what I think we were, were primarily here to talk about, I also want to thank your patrons because I adore you, Chris, and anyone who supports you is awesome in my book. So. Yes, oh, and, and anyone who supports both me and the Geeks with Shields is even better. You know, a, a funny thing about mutual friends that we keep finding on this awesome... I, I feel like I can say this again. I feel like Twitter is getting really, like, nice again. <laughs> I well, at least, at least our little corner of Twitter. Yeah, but I so. mean, like... The awful used to creep into our little corner, and it's not really doing that as much anymore. And and I think that's wonderful. Um, well, I don't know much about like say your process, but I know that Ulrich drops the hammer on very specific types of horrible, and he doesn't let that fester in our our, our area yeah, no, like at all. He's, he's very good at it. I'm um, it takes really bad infractions for me to do that, but that's I'm naive. I, I guess would be the word that I would use. I um, think I think you're I think you're very trusting, Chris. And as someone who has only really been betrayed like once in my life, I feel like trusting generally is the good is the better de facto place to be. So right, right, I agree. Um, but it's just it, it's good. So I was going to say is the people we've met. I, I don't know if you knew this, but you know Seth Decker who does. Yeah, I, you were saying the when you said his name or their name, I don't, I actually don't know. Sorry. When you said their name in your list, I was like, Hey, I recognize that one. So. Yes. Seth's a film rescue show guy. And, um, Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't know that. I, I'm going on film rescue and I didn't know that. So oh, he's so, so no, no. So, so I just like, I keep forgetting like all of these various things that Seth does. And he was in like an about to go like nationwide tour pop punk band in like 2014. Awesome, right? And like he, I'm a sucker. It. I'm a sucker for pop punk. By the oh, way, I know you'll, you'll love it. It's I love so some good. some 41, for instance, and even SR 71. I like. I, I'm yes. sorry, just good stuff. So, no, so you gotta you gotta look up. They're called Young Poet, Young and po- like, okay. and I I like I'm watching these old videos and like watching like little baby Seth like up on stage like just <laughs> rocking out, and I'm like, what this is like? Is he mentioned it? I, I had done a bunch of stuff with him. And I didn't know about it till I actually had him on my show, like till I had him on mine. And he's like, "Oh yeah," he goes, "You know, we were we were going to be huge," and we all just kind of decided, "Hey, maybe we maybe we tasted it enough, and maybe we want to do other stuff." So we pulled back. But they're actually like recording another EP, Young which I think is going to be. I will, 
Message me that in one of the the places we talk later, so I have it like written down. Because yeah, no, it's cool. They, they do a cover of Misery Business, the um, uh, Paramore song, and oh. they nail it. <laughs> like, by the way, I really like Paramore. I've always felt like they actually approach the edge of like punk, but that's a whole other conversation entirely. Yeah, no, it so. is. It is. I agree. But um, yeah. no, like he's totally got the right voice for it. I feel bad that I've, I guess, because I've been on the Film Rescue Show before, and I don't remember their names. I, that's that's um, that's a me problem. This actually happened that's a times. Problem like, too, dude. I, I've had all of them on my show, and like I have to sometimes remember because it's Jesse Ferguson, Seth Decker, Mike Spielman, and then there's like tangentially like Aaron Moriarty and um, uh, Jesse. Um, who's also a streamer? That's Seth's girlfriend, Jesse, as opposed to Jesse Ferguson, the other host. And Ooh. I get them all like I like I get people in my talkback, and I'm like, "Are you the guys from Film Rescue, or are you the guys from Recorded Tomorrow?" Because when I went on Recorded Tomorrow, Seth was also a guest, so now wow. I keep I keep attributing him to that show. Well, in my case, like I don't have nearly as much to do with the behind the scenes of Geeks with Shields as Ulrich does. Like he usually sets up our our guests, and he is the one who's at, who controls our Twitter, which is why I finally got more active on my Twitter so that he would stop talking for me. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim rules. So anyway, you can double down on him about Scott Pilgrim. That's exactly, exactly why you. Exactly, but the point is because of that, a lot of our guests I have only interacted with on the show. And so because of that, I it, it's, their names just don't stick with me. And I feel bad about that because they're awesome people and I'm just bad at names. I need to, I need to like interact with you relatively frequently to remember a name. So I think, I think you'll get a kick out of um, hearing Seth go like total, like newfound glory voice. Um, it's a lot of fun. But the, the thing I really liked about, about young poet is that they're, they're really heavy. <laughs> so like, there, it kind of has like that. Um, I don't know if you knew like Newfound Glory before they were the Newfound Glory that everybody knows were uh, a hardcore band. I actually don't know Newfound Glory. Like, oh, no. you, so Newfound Glory is like I don't uh, front, man. I'll admit when I don't know a band. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's me like dating myself, I guess. But Newfound Glory is like they Dude. were the they were the dividing line between pop punk and emo. Like when I was hey, in high school. Don't don't worry about like dating yourself. I listened to the Proclaimers. Like, there you go. I, oh, come on. <laughs> speaking about dating yourself, dating yourself. Yes, dating myself. That is another <laughs> word for fucking myself. Ha ha ha. Also true. Anyway. Um, the, the, no, uh, what I was going to say is, um, uh, speaking of old bands, my, my buddy Jim, the, the guy I told you about, who you know is isn't doing so hot right now. Mm. I've been talking to a lot of his friends. And uh, one of his friends, he, he had a roommate who was in the Boston music scene um, in the uh, early 90s. And that guy, they had another friend who was the guitarist for David Bowie for most of the Ooh. 90s. And now he's the guitarist in The Cure. Huh. Huh. And I just that, thought that was... Oddly, like a, that's, that's oddly not surprising. I it was just a like, crazy conversation. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm in The Cure now. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's awesome, honestly. I, I'm, I'm oddly a big fan of uh, music history, primarily American music history because I live in America, but music history in general. And so, like, I love reading stories about, like, Chumbawamba and their entire, yeah. like, discography and or... or uh, I'm trying to think, or like 
Barry Maguire and Eva Destruction and then what he became afterwards, which is uh, insane, a different set of reasons. But I love stories like that. Maybe we should talk about music sometimes. So just That'd be music. great. I love doing music shows because I, I have more of a knowledge of it than I think I do. I have, I'd say, more of a knowledge than I think I do and less than I appear to. Right. So <laughs> It's fun. It's It's just, I think those conversations are great to have because I feel like... Film, film, you get into like niches where like it's like okay, you know, even when you're like talking to someone who's a film fan, it's like with that guy I talk about horror, even though we like a lot of different stuff. You know, with this guy I talk about you know comedies, or this guy I talk. But music is like if you really start going, let's both come to the table with a couple of random things. Mm-hmm. I feel like you you think everybody's the same. When it comes to music, you have a friend that's like, all right, we're both into this. So we're into this, 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 and this. You realize, man, you come to the table with like something completely different. And I, I love learning that. I love hearing like the, well, you know, I'm into the Tijuana brass. It's like, but dude, you're wearing a slipknot shirt. Yeah. So what? (laughs) So you can have, you can have insanely. I like that we live in a society now. I I do remember like being young enough or, or being old enough. I should say that I do remember a time when you listen to certain genres of music and you didn't cross over. Or you were a poser. And yeah, which is dumb. Cause I admittedly in high school, I was a, a rock snob. I listened to eighties metal and seventies rock and that was it. And then I got to yep. college and I primarily started watching a, a guy on YouTube called Todd in the shadows talk about pop music. And it completely changed my perception of like everything. And now I, I still love his content a lot. It's where I learned a lot of like music history stuff. But now I listen to almost anything. So I have um I have some interns at work that have turned me on to like the last ten years of music that I missed. Mm. And it's really fascinating where the guy's like, Yeah, put this on. And I'm like, I would never in a million years have ever found this. Well, speaking of uh, that kind of music. One of the things that I recent or somewhat recently, like a year ago, discovered is a band called Alestorm. Yeah, which, which is Scottish pirate metal, and is also what, in my opinion, orcs listen to when they fight. Oh, segue! You did very good there, sir. You pulled us right back. So, for anyone who's coming here to for part two, you know, you already heard, but we're here mostly to talk about not music, unfortunately, another time, but. Orcs in Warhammer 40k, and last time I was here, I gave Chris a crash course, essentially, in orc uh, culture and biology and uh, language. They're the biggest and the toughest. Exactly. Exactly. So, before we get into, because we're doing, we're talking about mostly two specific orcs today, one in a short story, one in a longer story, but before we get into that, I just want to know, generally speaking, Chris, what do you remember well, Jesus. Um, I remember we went through a whole lot of different things. Um, I remember going through the cast systems and how, you know, they were all just kind of like, well, these guys, you know, it, it was never that these guys don't fight. It was always, these guys just fight more, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I always enjoyed that. Um, and, and it there was a lot of um, parallels with like Mad Max Fury Road and the, uh, you know, the... Um, the folk in that, that I thought was really cool. And what I was realizing as we went through is there's not really anything I've learned about so far in here. That's quite like these guys. I would say orcs are definitely a unique entity. That's, that's largely because, so we've talked about before how the term grimdark actually, uh, and I, I believe this is true. 
does straight up come from Warhammer 40k. Like Grimdark, you know, represents a genre now and was basically the overriding genre of comic books in the 90s, to give an example of what I'm talking about. But the term comes from 40k, and 40k is in a way the epitome of what a Grimdark setting is. And orcs are kind of like the light or the exception's not the right word, but they're the comic relief in a primarily Grimdark setting. Yes. So I love it. <laughs> yeah, and that 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 bleeds into everything about them, right down to the fact that they are spore people. Yeah, I know it's great. And and I, I think I needed it. And I think this came about at the perfect time because as, as we found with all of this, you know, intro stuff, I had no idea what Warhammer was outside of my, um, uh, seeing my friends work at games workshop. And so I knew the game like on tabletop. I didn't know anything about the lore and I saw, okay, they have these mechs and they have these monsters and they're fighting each other. So it's like, what if, you know, the people that like, um, you know, star Wars and the people that like, uh, dungeons and dragons kind of had a weird, strange love child and went to, you know, creepy basements and played it. Mm. And, um, that was really cool to me, but I didn't really know anything more about it. So then talking to you guys, I didn't even know that there was Warhammer 40 K and Warhammer fantasy, didn't know these were two different things and um seeing the like blending and the merging and the i, I really got to hand it to, to both to both you and Ulrich but Ulrich's whole like idea of like how to introduce someone how to dole this out to someone has been fantastic because i think well, i think if, sorry real quick what i think no, is really interesting okay. about that is that watching you get into it there's this kind of Pattern's not the right word, but this path I've watched you go on where it's like, oh, Warhammer, that's like, a, that's a space thing, right? Like, yeah, uh, but it's not just a space thing because it's like, oh, that's like, you know, like a, like a Halo kind of setting. No, nah, more like a Starship Troopers kind of setting. Oh, all right, that's cool. And then you start reading it like, wait, there are demons? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally demons. Huh, okay. Uh, wait, there are orcs? That's like, isn't that a fantasy thing? Yeah. And then, in, like, I can hear, almost hear your thoughts, like, oh, they're probably like Lord of the Rings orcs, but just with space things. And then, like, no, they're soccer, they're soccer hooligans, <laughs> and they speak and, in Cockney accents. Like, what? <laughs> and so, it's a perfect way to describe them. And I don't think I would have been able to fully embrace how they fit in if we didn't do them right now, like. I, I and, and and I maybe that's you know a testament to like just the way the books have doled them out, but and that comes a lot from Ulrich of like you know that first book in the the Horus Heresy series does a really good job of unpeeling the layers of what goes on here, and y you guys that know it already, and then this was a book written you know about something that you already know the outcome of you can approach it as saying, Oh, awesome. I get to, you know, I get to do this and, and I get to see this type of thing and deal with a Primarch for the first time. And, and I'm sitting there and it's all new to me and I have just as good of an experience. And that's really cool. And the orcs have only been mentioned once in the, the, the Horus yeah. Heresy series. They're, they're mentioned as the green skin menace that they fought at, yes. at Olinor. That's like all you supposedly all you as a person knew about them before we had our conversation last time. <laughs> so, and so Other... just getting this like comic relief. Cause again, I mean, look what we've gone through, right? We've gone yeah. through, you know, the weird ass, like Hellraiser sex cult. That I is mean, imagine, the, uh... <laughs> I mean, imagine super serious, like, you know, traitor Horace existing in the same world as this 
orc who's just driving in a Mad Max vehicle going, yes. And, and that, that was my biggest takeaway was just how, how much fun these guys are. Yeah. That then, and I think that is the most important takeaway. Yes, we can go into the specifics of you mentioned, like their their kind of clan breakdown with you know things like the free Buddhas, which are orc pirates, awesome, or, yeah, or the cloths or the death skulls, or the Mad Max ones are called the evil sons. They're the most Mad Maxy. Uh, go into you know the fact that one of my favorite aspects of them is their the Wa field, the the shared psychic field that lets them actually alter reality by sheer belief. Making things that are painted red move faster is the classic. Yep. You also talk about how their technology doesn't work. How oh, I'm, it, I'm looking at the picture of the Stampa right now and just going, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, their technology only works because they believe it works. If anyone else tries to use their tech, it just doesn't work because it's not based in anything resembling actual physics or logic. So... Like, those are a lot of the main... And we went over a lot of the types of uh, units from your basic orc boy to your big knob to your tiny Gretchen that's like a like a skinny goblin to your squigs, which are anything from, like, a small slug to a giant elephant slug thing, a squigoth. So, all this uh, all this clicking for you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, no, I, I, I'm literally going down this bullet list with you and just being like, yep, remember this, remember this, remember this. <laughs> All right, well then, today, because last time we did a generalization about orcs and talking about what orcs are, why they're fun, why they're ridiculous, especially in this setting, but they could literally, in a way, only only exist in this setting. Uh, there are species, right, that exist for war. They don't have... Uh, they don't have politics. They don't have even structure beyond what is needed to go to war because war is what they live for. In a way... They are the species that is best suited to the 41st millennium because a galaxy of endless war is perfect for them, and it's all they want. So so today, we're going to talk about two very specific orcs. Uh, the first one, well, his name was Tuska, and his his last name comes up later. If you want to follow with me, this is only going to be a few bullet points, but go down to page 14 of the Yeah, document. already there. All right, so Tuska was a war boss, like any other war boss, who, you know, he was leading his WA, he was having a good time, and for anyone who knows, like, who's actually, like, read the stories he comes from, sorry if I get some of the details wrong, but it's more important to get the overriding narrative here. So, so Tuska one day basically came across a demonic invasion during his wall, like, it was happening, it just happened to be happening at the place he was going, and he thought that demons were... For a lack of a better term, cool, but not in like a, I want to be them, and more in a I want to fight those things kind of way. Ah, uh, yes, a valiant so, opponent. <laughs> that might be a little too much uh, um, class for orcs, but but yes. Sorry, so, I think I can be fighting that one over there. You got it, buddy. <laughs> anyway, that that makes my wall get all crazy. So Tuska basically found out about demons and what demons are uh i mean he already had a all orcs have kind of like a basic understanding again they have instinctual knowledge but he found out enough that he found the location in space the eye of terror which is basically a pathway into the warp where chaos and demons come from and he took his wa into it like he was like all right i'm done fighting you know puny umis and and pointy ear people we're gonna go fight the spiky boys and the demons and so, yeah, he took his entire wall, all his ships, 
boom, right into the Eye of Terror, into the, the warp itself. Which, as we talked about before, the warp, the Immaterium, is both infinite and, and not infinite. And it's, like, a, it's crazy set of contradictions, right? So he's in the Immaterium with his Wa, and he starts finding... Because there are planets. Planets do exist within the warp. And it's just that... It, all right, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the warp again, because that could last forever. <laughs> Point is, he finds demon planets... And starts fucking them up. Pardon my French on your your show, but this is what I love French on my show. <laughs> this is what orcs do. No matter how many times you tell me it's okay to curse on your show, I'm still going to be like, oh, "Is it okay?" Because I'm very considerate. So I love it. Anyway, so yeah, he's he's messing up all these these planets, but these are like outskirt outpost planets. These aren't like serious demon planets. They just happen to be in the warp and have like some cultists and demons and stuff on them, but he's messing them all up. He reaches finally a planet though that belongs to a blood prince, which is a special kind of high level demon of corn, which you remember corn is the demon prince of bloody murder, brutality and endless war and kilts. Sorry. <laughs> I'll take it. I love the image. So no, I, I'm just thinking of Jonathan Davis. <laughs> anyway, so oh, uh it's a bad pun. All right, let's keep going. So this so this blood prince with his demon army slaughters uh Tuska. Well, by the way, at this point Tuska has earned the name Tuska Damon Killer, because that's how orc names work. So he's Tuska Damon Killer. Um but he he's still no match for a blood prince, and the blood prince and his armies completely destroy Tuska's Wa. But Corn had been watching Tuska basically ever since Tuska came in. When I say watching, the the Chaos Gods don't give more than the smallest amount of their attention to anything other than essentially each other, because they're playing this great game against each other all the time. But but Corn. Like, he, he had a ten, attention was pulled. Like, Tuska was basically brutalizing the, you know, demons and, you know, going in these rampages and murdering, like, so, so much bloodshed. And that is exactly what Korn loves. So Tuska got Korn's attention. Yeah. So so even though this blood prince massacred uh, Tuska and his Wa, it happened within the warp, within the Immaterium. So Korn used his power to... Resurrect is not the right word. Reanimate is not the right word. But let's say just recreate uh, Tuska and his and his Wa outside the Brass Citadel. The Brass Citadel is again where Corn sits on his his Skull of Thrones. But oh, his he, Skull of Thrones. Or sorry, his Throne of Skulls. Skull I want to know what a Skull of Thrones would look like. At this I'm point. actually interested in that too. Now I'd like to see that art. That's that's cool. That's some that's some some Dolly shit right there. So. Anyway, but his throne of skulls. But the brass citadel now Tuska and his watched appear there, and you know humans or space marines might be confused just appearing suddenly outside this big citadel. But Tuska's just like, "Hey, look, there's more demons!" And they proceeded <laughs> to fight. And so <laughs> my narrative starts all over again. I just respawned. <laughs> that is exactly what happened because from that point forward, and every day, quote unquote, since Tuska. And his Wa fight against Korn's, like, his greater demons and his demon army outside the Brass Citadel. They are slaughtered to every single orc. And then the next morning, quote-unquote, because time is no meaning in the warp. But the next morning, they are resurrected to do it again. That's amazing. Yeah, so this is orc heaven. 
like Tuska literally fought his way to what can be construed as orc heaven because yeah, he's to, to every day boot loop. Yeah, he is he is in a in a groundhog's day but fighting demons every day kind of situation and he loves it. <laughs> Great. This is my life now. It's fine. Yeah, so Tuska Demon Killer is the, the short story I wanted to share, but he it gets across in a different set of ways orc mentality because this is exactly like Tuska had no idea that this is what the outcome of his actions. He just wanted to fight demons. Yeah, but, just point po- point stabby things that way. Let's see what happens. Yep. <laughs> now, the next orc we're going to talk about because Tuska is a fun thing, right? Like he's got a story, but he doesn't have a, you know, a model or anything. He's just a fun story that's in the lore. But we're going to talk about Gazkul Maguduk Thraka, who is the most important orc in the 41st millennium. He has a model. I own it. It's amazing. He has been in the lore for a long time, at least since like second edition. I don't know if he was in first edition, but I've seen him have like a second or third edition model. I, I should really look up his real world history. But point is, Gazzy, Big Gazzy, is super important. He's basically a Primarch for orcs. We call him a Primarch sometimes. Nice. So he is the biggest, the baddest, the meanest. He is the prophet of Gork and Mork. And I have a little quote under his uh, picture. And if you're there, I, yep. would like you, I would like you to read it for me. But remember, this is the biggest, baddest, and toughest orc. So yeah, let that I, feed into your performance a bit. I I don't know how I can do the orc voice, but as Shona from Barry Gory's The Last Dragon. Never works. <laughs> no, 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 it's fun. I is more cunning than a grot and more killy than a dread. The boys that follow me can't be beat. On Pissina, we jumped the marine boys, and our boss pose was covered in the helmets we look from the deadens. We burned their port and killed their bosses, and left nothing but ruins behind. I'm warlord Gazku Mac Uruk Thraka, and I speak with the word of the gods. We is gonna stomp the universe flat and kill anything that fights back. We is gonna do this cause we is oaks, and we is made to fight and win. All right, so Gazkul. He's a badass. The fucking man. He is uh, my favorite named character in in Warhammer at this point. I admit there are some Sisters of Battle I'm looking at that are are kind of getting up there. But right now, Gazkul's story is one of my favorites. And I don't know it perfectly, so forgive me. And if you're listening to this and you find this interesting, you should go look up uh, Luton09's video on Orcs where he goes into much more detail on Gazkul's story. But here's the breakdown. So Gaz was originally a member of the Goth clan. We talked about the Goths before. Yep. They are they are the biggest and baddest of the clans. Their their main thing to fame is they have the most knobs, the most big orcs come out of them. So he was a Goth and he was on this planet that's been under orc control for a long time. Now, Space Marines, the planet wasn't important enough to take back or exterminatus. But the Space Marines wanted to the, it were in the, the area, wanted to at least keep an eye on it because if if enough orcs start banding together, you know, a wah happens, and that's not good for anyone, so they need to be able to put that down quickly. So, because of this, Space Marine scouts would regularly skirmish with orcs on this planet. I don't actually remember the planet's name, sorry. Well, it must be Thraka, because it's where... Or no, it's Uruk. It's Uruk, that's right, because it's in his name. It's where he's from. Sorry. Anyway, so during one of these scraps with a Space Marine, a bolt 
as in from a Space Marine bolt gun, went through Gazcool's head. <laughs> now, for those who might not have watched our previous episodes, a bolt isn't a bullet. A bolt is more like a small bullet-shaped grenade that yep. is really... <laughs> I don't even know what the size would be in caliber, but it's huge. It's like you make a fist, and that's the size of a bolt. So, so one of these went through his head and pulped most like a good section of his brain and blew up like a whole bit of his head. But because orcs are awesome and they're the best, and he is, and already Gazkul was great, he just stood up. Now he was messed up and he couldn't like really function, but the fact that he stood up after getting a bolt through the brain made all the orcs around him like, oh. That guy's dead odd. So they helped him by leading him to the office of one mad Doc Grotznik. Because orcs don't really have doctors, per se. They have docs. And yeah, docs... They, they have crazy mechanics, is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> kind of. Docs are somewhere like if, uh, if Victor Frankenstein had even less moral compunction. Ah, yes. And a lot of drugs. So... <laughs> So Grotznik proceeded to replace the pulped parts of Gazkul's brain with metal. And in the process, Gazkul woke up and suddenly had a violent and painful vision from Gork and Mork, showing him the, the force he would be in the, in the galaxy, the importance he would be to the orcs, how he would you know, leave a swath of destruction and, and death behind him. Was it actually a vision from Gork and Mork, or was he actually just suffering from heavy amounts of brain damage? I don't know. Doesn't really matter, though. Call him because, A, call him B. Yeah, because he was so proud of his conviction, or he was so powerful in his conviction that he proceeded to then systematically beat the hell out of every orc like boss on the planet until he was the one in control. Jesus. And every time, and every time he did, then he would talk about him being sent by Gork and Mork, him being their emissary, and the orcs that followed him believed it. Remember what we talked about when orcs all get together yep. and believe He's something? He's the prophet, because they believe it. Yep. And so it doesn't matter if in the in the beginning he was actually chosen by Gork and Mork, because eventually the orcs believe it, so it's true. <laughs> so, so he proceeds to take over the whole planet. He is now leading a WA that controls the whole planet. But, hey, what happens when you have a unified force of orcs on one planet? You better find someone else to fight or your WA is going to fall apart in civil war. But they got a problem. There's so many orcs on this planet and they don't have really ways to get off the planet. So they ask Gaz, what are we supposed to do? And Gaz is like, don't worry. The gods will send us a solution. Gork and Mork will, will provide. And, like, days later... An opening in the warp happens right next to the planet, and a Space Hulk comes out. A Space Hulk is a colossal ship, like the size, maybe not of a moon, but like, it's pretty fucking huge. Like a Star Destroyer, maybe? Um, bigger? Bigger than that, actually. But point it comes out of the warp. It's derelict, but it still, you know, can function. And it's filled with demons. But Gaskell's like, I told you. Now everyone get up there. And so they take all their scrap and they make rockets and whatnot to all get onto this space hulk. And they get in there and they murder all the demons that are infesting it. And then they're like, well, what do we do now? Where are we going to go? And, and Gaz is like, don't worry about it. And then the it goes into the warp. And then they still have more demons to fight. But there's, there's more demons coming out. they got to find there's like a, a, a nexus that's somewhere in the, the, the ship. And they find it's basically this portal the demons are coming through onto the ship. And Gaz Cool headbutts the portal 
and a flash of green energy <laughs> closes it. Oh, that's great. It was a. Uh, I mean, if you want to get if you want to get technical, basically he accessed the wall and used the psychic powers of the wall to close it. But that doesn't sound nearly as cool as he headbutt a demon portal closed. So <laughs> this is all, and this is this is like all you need to like read about to recognize that Warhammer is like you know tongue in cheek poking fun at its grim dark the whole time. <laughs> Especially orcs, like that's yeah. their entire part of their entire purpose, right? So, so they clear the shot the the ship of demons. It doesn't really stop the demon incursion because they're in the warp, but it it does make it so that it's a lot less likely to eliminate them. But then the ship comes out of the warp next to a imperial planet called Armageddon. Armageddon has a big history of getting dicked over <laughs> in one way or another. So, but it's a a hive world, so it's got these you know crazy hive cities that just have people living there and the orcs descend upon armageddon in mass and it's brutal and they proceed to basically mess up most of the planet but they can never take it there is this one guy who is one of the most badass imperial guys who exists his name is commissar yarek and yarek basically is the leader who leads the Imperial Guard to constantly hold their ground. They can't really push the orcs back, but they keep the orcs from taking, you know, the cities. And they keep the orcs from take like taking victory, which drives Gaskul crazy. Also, because Yarek is so badass, at one point he killed a orc like Meganob and took his arm and put it on his own arm. So he's got an orc Meganob power claw for an That's arm. Awesome. I'm seeing that picture right now. The napoleon looking guy with the power claw yeah he's also got a, a robotic eye and he was so effective that initially that the orcs began to respect him although when they saw him they were surprised that he was so small but the, the not the point the point is that you got this giant mass of orcs who believe that this one humi yarek is like extremely powerful and near impossible to kill Remember what I said about orcs believing something changing yeah, reality? Now he's all all now he's impossible to kill. Yes. <laughs> That's that should be my my tagline for this episode. <laughs> anyway, so orcs and Gaskul actually respect Yarek. He hates them because they're Xenos who are destroying his planet, obviously, but he understands and recognizes that Gaskul is a legitimate problem. And they managed to finally get saved when several not just one, not two, but three groups of space marines, the Blood Angels, the Ultramarines, and the Salamanders show up, and they manage to put an end to, to, to what Gaskul is doing. And in the middle of like the last battle, when Gaskul is supposedly going to go down, he just disappears. <laughs> no, no, no one knows what happened to him. And the, you know, the space marines are like, oh, he ran away, and he's no longer going to be a threat because he's a coward and no orcs will follow him. But Yarek, who's been fighting Gaskul for a long time at this point. I actually don't know the time frame here, but he knows better. He's like, no, this guy is a problem and we need to chase him now. But space Marines are not in the habit of listening to non-space Marines. So, so they uh, brush off his concerns. What actually seemed to happen is that again, because Gaskul has so many orcs believing he is the prophet of Gork and Mork, Gork and Mork literally plucked him from the battlefield and saved him by transporting him off world. Specifically awesome. where? Don't know. Maybe he did run away. We don't know. The point is that this is the narrative. So <laughs> this is what the orcs believe anyway. And that's what matters. So again, the Space Marines aren't wrong. 
in that normally when a war boss is defeated, they don't get the respect to build up another war. Gazkul is not most war bosses. And initially, the other orcs did, of course, try to insult him or not believe him. So he crushed them under his boots and, and crushed them with his power claw and considered, continued crumping orcs until they fell into line behind the prophet where they belong. Hell yeah. Because orcs, orcs listen to strength first and foremost, and Gazkul is strong. <laughs> so Gazkul manages to basically rebuild his wah, but not just with strength, actually. This is what makes Gazkul really fascinating as well is he also used his words, and he inspired his orcs. This is not something that happens in orc-like culture, but he was quoted as saying when asked about uh, why Armageddon was a failure, wasn't it? I mean, orcs don't really fail. They can always come back and fight again. But what was Armageddon if not a, a loss? And, and Gaskell basically said Armageddon was an intelligence-gathering mission. I mean, he said it orky. But <laughs> that the, the goal was to figure out how Umi's fight. And then he, quote, in order to destroy your enemy, you must know him. This is about as profound as it gets for an orc. I'm stealing that line directly from Luton, and I acknowledge it, but it's pretty accurate. So, <laughs> awesome. Now, orc age doesn't work like human age. So, you know, 57 years go by, apparently, from what I can tell. Um, and while he regroups and then he comes back to Armageddon again and Yurik is still there because, you know, he's a high level commissar and they've got tech and humans still age actually pretty slowly. So not like space Marines slowly, but slower. Uh, I think that, I think an average human can live to be like 200 or something. I, I'd be curious as someone who knows. Anyway, not the point. Point is he shows up and starts messing up Armageddon again. Now the second war for Armageddon is not one I actually wrote a lot of details about. I don't know too much about it. So I'm just going to skip ahead. Point is that Gazkul basically hits a kind of stalemate with Yarrick again. But this time, instead of starting to lose, he gets a vision. A vision from uh, from Gork and Mork that there is a battle elsewhere he needs to be. Oh, by the way, it should be mentioned at this point that orc bosses are always on the front lines, obviously. But what makes Gazkul special is that Gazkul has the ability to delegate duties. He has sets of high-level war bosses that are his quote-unquote – advisors is the wrong word because he tells them what to do. But he will delegate things to do to them and not try to do everything himself like other war bosses. Nice. So important distinction. Anyway, so Gazi leaves Armageddon. There's some important details in there about like under what circumstances he left actually, but not the point. The point is that he he's done with the second war for Armageddon. He leaves his boys there. He leaves like a lot of orcs there to continue the war, right? But he's got to leave. So he leaves and you actually find out that he has the ability to communicate with them through the law. Even, nice. even thousands of light years away, he can send messages to them through the law because he's so powerful with the law. And so he takes what, uh, you know, what matters of his fleet to the Octarius system, which is an orc system that is being overrun by Tyranids. Ah, the wonderful Tyranids. Yep, and we actually talked a bit about this during our Tyranid episode, because in the Octaria system, the Tyranids have already taken out, like, five of the eight planets. Like, they're winning. And then Gazkul and his boys show up and proceed to completely turn the tide. 
at one point, Gazkula gets consumed by a Moloch, which is like, imagine if a Graboid from Tremors was covered in spikes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he gets eaten by one of those, and he proceeds to just carve his way out of it. By the way, this whole time, he brings Mad Doc Grotznik with him everywhere. Because anytime Gaskell gets injured, Doc Grotznik has got his back. So, And he just gets weirder and weirder. Yes, yes he does. He starts. He gets quite, quite odd. But anyway, after Gaskell effectively turns the tide on Octarius, he decides, hey, it's time to leave here too. Like, he hasn't completely destroyed the Tyranids or anything. He just made it so that the orcs that were there got this huge boost of confidence and wah power and reinforcements. And now he's like, all right, now it's up to you. I got places to be. So he leaves with, when I read, over 5 million greenskin ships in his fleet. Damn. So now, at that point, we get into one of the most recent releases, which is called Prophecy of the Wolf, which is basically Gazkul's wah at this point is so dangerous that the Space Marines are taking it seriously, and they, I don't know who sends the order, but the Space Wolves send people to deal with him, including a particular Space Wolf called Ragnar Blackmane. So Prophecy of the Wolf it was essentially a box that released with Space Marine and Orc units. It was a way to give Gaskell his new model. It also gives uh, the Space Wolves a bunch of new models. But storyline-wise, what matters here is that the Space Marines... Uh, on the world of Krongar, finally met up with Gaskul's Wa. Like he's messing up this this human planet, and then the sp- and then the, the space wolves show up, and they manage to fight their way through most of the the horde. And they and Ragnar and a group of his men get to Gaskul and his like top knobs. And there's a battle that happens off screen. <laughs> we don't actually know exactly what happened, but what we do know is that at the end of it, Ragnar was messed up like his armor was caved in he's like missing limbs he's bloody all over because he's got space marine uh physiology he's still alive but he's been crushed but gazgul is dead he's been decapitated his head is clean from the shoulder so at this point all of gazgul's war bosses they start infighting to figure out who's going to be the new warlord right but one I think it was a Gretchen. Yeah, I think it was a Gretchen. One Gretchen picks up Gaz's head and takes it to the one orc that he knows can help, Mad Doc Grotznik. And Mad Doc has been studying Primaris Marines, which is a new kind of Marine that maybe we'll talk about more in detail another time. But point is, they're just bigger space Marines. And and Matt's, Mad Doc Grotznik uses Primaris biology, orc physiology, tons of crazy science to uh, attach Gazkul's head to a new body. And, oh, shit. And because he's an orc, it works. And one of the war bosses hears that he's doing this and tries to interrupt him. He gets all the way to Mad Doc Grotznik's uh, lab because Grotznik's got his own, like, fleet of... Or not fleet, but his own army of boys that get in the way. But this this war boss gets there. He's got Grotznik, like, in his hands, and he's like, and he's about to kill him when suddenly... A power claw the size of of him, essentially, grabs him and crushes his skull. Love it. And that's when we see Gazkul's new model, which there's a picture of there. Love where it. he's he's basically he is tw- he is 18 feet tall. That model in in 
Lore is 18 feet tall. That's how big Gaskell is at this point. He's got a big-ass power claw that is itself, like, seven feet long. He's got a a four-barrel minigun in his other hand. He's in a mech suit. Like, I've had people tell me that he's he's like a dreadnought. Is he locked permanently into that suit? It doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like a lot of that tech is maybe permanent, but not all of it. He is still attached to an organic body. You can actually, on the model, you can see the stitches where his neck is stitched to it. Awesome. Yep. And so now, currently, in the lore, Gazcool and the newly primarist Ragnar Blackmane are engaged in a struggle on on Krognar. And that is where Gazcool currently is as of the lore uh, today in 9th edition. Sick. Anyway, so that is my extremely loose, covering a lot of the details, or overlooking a lot of the details, but story of Gazcool Mag Thraka and him wrecking human space so i love him i love him i this this model like i want to paint this and i've never even painted one of these yet i love it yeah and the most i love the i love the freaking like car exhaust like oh his like muffler horns oh my god it's so fucking cool And the most important thing to recognize about Gazcool is that, yeah, whether Gork and Mork exists is irrelevant because they exist now, and whether Gazcool was their chosen is irrelevant because he's their chosen now. now. (laughs) So they have literally protected him in the lore on several occasions. There's one occasion where he was in a ship, and the ship was, like, surrounded by Imperial cruisers, and then suddenly the ship just disappeared in a flash of green. And, yeah, the implication is that Gork and Mork plucked Gazcool from certain defeat because they weren't done with him. So Awesome. Anyway, I know I did a lot of, like, just me talking, but I was telling a story. So I want your whatever is going through your mind now. <laughs> I, I it, it could be your enthusiasm. It could be just that I've finally found the thing that clicks with me the most, but I am in love with these guys. I'm on board with that, <laughs> but uh, that, that that's really my takeaway. I, I love the lore. I love the humor and I really love the design. I especially of this guy. Yeah. That model, they sell that model now with just uh so Gaskell has one Gretchen, a little goblin dude named that he names Makari that follows him around everywhere with a flag. But the first Makari died when Gaskell accidentally sat on him. <laughs> so then Gaskell just pointed at another Gretchen and called him Makari and, uh, yeah, we have no idea how many Makaris have died, at least four, but, so you can buy Gazkul and Makari in, in a box, so. Love it. No, this is good stuff, man. And I, you know, the engineer in me loves the, uh, um, work you put into the notes for this, too. Because uh, well, this is how I would do it. <laughs> well, I, I like actually having, uh... Being able to be like, hey, here's the thing I'm talking about. So you don't have to just have to Google search it and I hope you're looking at the right thing. No, here's right. what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I love it. All right. That's as far as I'm concerned as of today. That's uh, you've we've now talked for two hours about orcs. And I feel that you're 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 ready to you're ready to get stuck in with the boys. I I'm I'm excited. So I, I have a fun I have a fun thing for you. I'm listening. That you probably don't know about. And I am normally just going to do this on um, the Chipman Brothers Tangent. But I thought this is something you would appreciate. All right. Aha. 
So let's see how this works. Have you listened to my most recent episode of The Tangent? Not the most recent one, no. All right, cool. Well, then this is going to be even more fun. So I, you, you know how I do like the uh, right quote, wrong movie and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. Well, I, I I do need to start doing that again, too. But I, I had a um, an inspiration in, in 2021 um, that, you know, we spent four years and, you know, a, a, a pandemic, you know, um, mm-hmm. having having to find positivity where there wasn't a lot, you yes. know? And uh, I feel like in geekdom, there's a lot of um, negativity out of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems like uh, people's um, entire way of being like, you know, my entire internet persona is that I don't like Rian Johnson, you know, <laughs> or, or, or like whatever weird, it is. I, I will admit, as, as a side thing, if your entire personality in regards to any, even if it's a sub-personality... I don't like negativity concentrated like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I can get on board with negative film criticism or book criticism yeah, when, it, when it's fun. Like, absolutely. if you're having fun with it. But if your entire focus is that, I feel like it's going to poison you, honestly. Right. So what I did, and, and I thought, you know, um, it would be a really good thing for, for me and my brother, especially since, you know, a lot of the world, especially surrounding him, gets gets pretty negative. I was going to say, your brother gets uh, exposed yeah. to a lot of two negative people. So. So, I thought this, so I thought this was a really cool idea, and I thought, you know what? It would be really cool to, to, to do it once with you just because I think it's fun. So what I've done is I've made a list of like 100 movies, mm-hmm. and I made a list of like 100 um, film personalities, actors, directors, whatever. Yeah. And I created a randomizer program that, has assigned six of them um, to numbers and I have two dice and where the inspiration for this came from was uh, the welcome to night Vale folks have done a show called the random number generator horror podcast number nine and they roll a dice and one dice picks the genre and the other dice picks the not genre, but picks the style of horror film and the other okay. dice picks the villain in the horror film. And then every time they use one up, their guest picks a new one. Well, me, I've created a randomizer to do it, but I have two dice and one dice is a film and the other dice is an actor, director or personality. And I, I, I this. what's up? I was just say I'm on board with this. Oh, I do hope that my not quite encyclopedic knowledge That's of, okay. of film is not going to hurt me too much. Remember, so. th- there's, this isn't a game. This is meant to be positive. So even if you only know the name of the thing, the okay. idea is just to say, no matter what it rolls on, say something not negative about it. Oh, and, all, right, all right. And 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 there are all kinds of things in here. For example, um, you know, not not showing up on our list tonight. But I have like Geely on here, that terrible Ben Affleck movie. That's the um, J Lo Ben Affleck, right? But yeah. But I also have like the Hobbit trilogy. Mm, okay. You know? Okay. Um Batman and Robin, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar. Um, for for personalities, I have things like Kristen Stewart. Sidebar, my Hill. least favorite movie you've mentioned so far is Dark Knight Rises. Suck yeah. it, people. Sorry. No, 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 I agree. So so my, my thought process here is that like like for instance, me and Bob off the bat on on the episode I do with him rolled Rian Johnson, who yeah. the reason I put him on here, it, I love the guy, and I I think, didn't know so, really quick I didn't know he was Brick by the way, and I yeah, love yeah. Brick. Anyway, so but he's gotten so much hate that I thought you know what if I'm gonna make a thing called Redemption Roulette, which is what I'm calling this Redemption Roulette, um, I love it. 
Uh, it's things that have gotten an unfair amount of negativity thrown at them. All right. So for our films, we have Chappie. Have you seen Chappie? I've not seen it. I'm aware of it. But you're aware of it. Okay. Yeah, it's got okay. the ant word. It's got the ant word in it. <laughs> yeah. Pixels. <clears throat> I, I purposely did not watch that, but I am aware of it too. This was randomized. Again, The Village. Uh, is that the M. Night Shyamalan one? Yes, it is. Okay, I've seen that, but I only kind of remember it, but continue. Waterworld. Okay, I know Waterworld. Not very, I mean, it's been a long time since I watched it, but right. I know Waterworld. Jack and Jill. <clears throat> oh, Adam Sandler, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And Thor The Dark World. My least favorite MCU movie. Okay. There we go, okay. And for directors, actors, personalities, we have Kevin Smith on number one. Of course. M. M. Night Shyamalan on number two. Of course. J.J. Abrams on number three. All right. Megan Fox on number four. Okay. Shia LaBeouf on number five. Hmm, both those. And, right. and Yuva Bowl on six. Oh. Oh. Okay. okay. That's yep. a hard. All right. Remember, redemption. I know. Uva I know. But here. fingers crossed because saying something nice about Uva Bowl might give okay. me a fucking heart attack. We're going to so. roll the movie first. Okay. And we have a four for Waterworld. Okay. Would guests like to start? Oh, uh, I thought it was like a combination thing. So saying something positive about Waterworld? Yeah, we each we each just have to say something positive. And it could be okay. And you can be cynical. You can go, it sure is a movie. Well, <laughs> you know, no, but... no, 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 no. Okay, okay. You're about Waterworld, right? It's, it's a... The plot is not great, but the setup is fucking brilliant. I mean, I'm someone who has thalassophobia. And the idea of... I don't care how scientifically plausible it is i know that actually if all the ice caps melted it, it wouldn't cause a water world situation but the idea of living in a world where it's literally all just water is first of all inherently terrifying it makes for a great post-apocalypse setting and as gross as it is the idea of like watching the in-depth mechanics of how costner has to survive in it is really neat i agree i agree so see look at that um, for me, uh, production design, Water Waterworld, all the money went on screen. That was a very expensive film, and it looks fantastic. Um, in particular, I love Dennis Hopper as the villain um, and his crew hanging out on a re-emerged from the underbelly of the water, Exxon Valdez. I hmm. thought that was really cool. But um, I feel like Waterworld, you know, they spent a lot of time making it look great. It's a lot of practical effects. Very cool stuff. All right. So <clears throat> now we have the, the personality with the um this the time Don't roll bomb. Six. Don't roll a six. I, I, I rolled a six. <clears throat> okay. I'll I'll let you start. There aren't so many nice things, so I'll let you start. Okay. This is both. I, this is slightly backhanded. I'm trying not to be, but the get the man is brilliant, and what I mean by that is he's brilliant in the same way an evil genius is brilliant. The whole reason why the perception of Uva Bowl is what it is is because he made movies that he didn't care about because he found tax loopholes that allowed him essentially to make tons of profit on it. Now, regardless of the quality of the art that he put out, the fact that he was able to figure out how to do this, work it, continuously get the rights to these kind of things means that he's doing, he's got to be some kind of charismatic genius to figure out how to do that and how to get people to agree to it. I don't claim to understand how it is. I know the guy's a kick-ass boxer, and I also think that anyone who actually, I think it's a little 
petulant to challenge people to boxing, but the fact that he can box and that like he follows through with it when people go with it is kind of respectable. So as much as I don't like his product and I don't like a lot of other stuff about him that I'm not going to talk about because positivity. Uh, yes. I think the man has skill. It's it's not – he has skill in other categories. He is an, He's a very skilled boxer and he's a very skilled businessman. Yeah, I, I look at it as the produ- – he's got the producer's thing going for him. He found that tax loophole, and as long as his stuff marginally fails, he, he, he does great, <laughs> which is fine. Um, a little scummy, but it's fine. Yeah. My, my thing about Yuva Bull is I think as a personality, this is the playoff of your, your skill thing. As a personality and a showman, the guy, like, he fully owns his role in the world. Like he doesn't shy away from it in interviews. You know, he, he acts all big. Like he's some, like it, it kind of like reminds me a little bit of Ed Wood, you know, where he's just kind of like, I'm awesome. What are you talking he's about? He's kind of a, he's kind of a heel, like a wrestling yeah. heel. And, and, and I, and I give him credit for that because you need heels. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's my new positive thing for 2021. I don't know if I'm going to use it in every show, but you seem to be, um, the kind of guests that would get enjoyment out of it. I'm that. completely so. into it and I want to do it again because awesome. I'm, I'm all about positivity. I honestly, awesome. yeah. And I would like you to know the randomizer, the Excel spreadsheet, as it were, has replaced um, Waterworld with Geely. So, oh God. And <laughs> Yuva Bowl with <clears throat> Jared Leto. You know, that's not, I can, I can pull <clears throat> that up. Yeah, no, I'm just for for next time. So yeah. whoever. Okay. So yeah, that that's that that's what I got, dude. It's always a blast to talk to you, man. Yeah, I love talking to you too, man. That's why it's great to just have a conversation. That's why we talked for like 15 minutes before we even got into Warhammer. Just talking like, hey, you know what, stuff. listeners, you will enjoy that. God damn it, <laughs> I ain't cutting that out. <laughs> I think you shouldn't. I enjoy the conversation. So when are we getting to Warhammer? <laughs> you listen to us talk about pop punk and you will like no no i'm not like that but it makes me laugh anyway. oh yeah no oh geez <laughs> oh man yeah i'm very tired um so i'm gonna say uh, thank you again thank you for shooting the shit with chippa one half of the geeks with shields yeah um, i don't i don't have i don't mean to cut you i'm sorry <laughs> no 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 i was gonna say and please you know give some shout outs Promote yourself. Oh, yeah. I, I Last time I had a thing Ulrich wrote for me down, but I don't have it in front of us. Here's me going completely off cuff. Yeah, hi. Again, if you don't remember, I'm Axel from the Geeks with Shields. We've been doing a, a geeky podcast for a little over three years. It's how I met wonderful people like Chris here, who I consider a good friend of mine at this point, and easily one of the best things to come out of the entire endeavor. And if you want to hear us talk about geeky stuff, mostly movies like we've talked about, like comics and books. Well, we do have our book club. Uh, we talk about Warhammer, but we we mostly talk movies and television shows just because that's the, you know, the thing that's most accessible, I guess. But we're always expanding. Anyway, you can find us at Geeks with Shields on most of the platforms. Uh, the list I have in front of me for that is like Santa Claus, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We have a Patreon. And for people who even give us like a dollar a month, so 25 cents like our episode, we do special things like our book clubs or we will review like individual episodes of shows as opposed to doing our more general things. We have many crossover things we do with Chris 
and many other guests do, but like Chris likes to come on for, we like to have him on for like our director smackdowns where we figure out what movie is a director's most quintessential film. And it's usually not his best film, which makes for interesting conversations. So anyway, if any of that interests you, or if for some reason you just like hearing the sound of my voice, Geeks with Shields, please and thank you. And and being the only person at your highest level of patronship, um, I would like to let everybody know that even though it says they don't know what the uh, fringe benefits are yet, um, Ulrich shows up in your room at two in the morning with this really weird ass pinhead costume and just reads you poetry. It's strange. You jest, but now I want that to happen. So <laughs> it doesn't happen to you. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I put up anti-Ulrich runes years ago, so... Ah, yes, yes, yes. What What is that? That's, um, fruited beer? Would That that would be an anti-Ulrich <laughs> rune. Um, uh, uh, people speaking with Boston accents? That's another one. Shitty historical at movies? Yes, so, sh- so all historical movies, <laughs> according to him. Yep. <laughs> But uh, uh, one of my favorite things is reading on Twitter when Ulrich talks about a new historical show, because I usually agree with him, but he's like, this show was great until that last episode where they just had to have a big stupid war that didn't actually happen. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, buddy. You know, sidebar, in my phone, he's under the name War, because in high school we called each other in the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So hearing him say that is especially funny to me. He is. (laughs) All right, so yeah, we are tired, or at least I am. You're on like two hours behind me, right? Yeah, it is uh, 10.50 where I am currently. Uh, It is 12.50 where I am. And if I'm being perfectly honest, there is a lady who's been waiting for me to text her back. So (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, um, with that, I will say goodnight to you, sir. And again, thank you for shooting the shit with Chippa. And thank you all for listening. And uh, we will create more crazy content. And... um, just remember that, uh, you know, when Ulrich the Cenobite shows up, it's your fault. <laughs> I got nothing, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, dude. Bye.